0: stir your soul up a bit This is the perfectly imperfect podcast with Regina and Christine where we share our stories as women openly and honestly
1: We believe it's through our journeys our happy and sad times that connect us as sisters because we're all perfectly imperfect
0: Hi guys, and welcome back to the Perfectly Imperfect podcast, where we have vulnerable conversations about mental health, self-growth, and relationships. I'm Regina. And I am Christine. I always say my name weird. (laughs) I say self-weird. I kept, I was trying to record something for our TikTok today, which you guys should follow, by the way. I'll link it down in the description below. But I kept saying self-growth and like,
1: mental health ticks. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we have a podcast?
0: <laughs> I don't know.
1: <laughs> okay, anyways, let's just jump into it. We are so excited because one of our favorite people on the planet is here joining us today. We love him so much because we have such a history together. Mm-hmm. Every time I think of him, he always makes me smile because I don't know how else to describe him other than he's just a magical human being. He really is. He has this like energy <laughs> to this. him. Like, <laughs> he has this energy to him and I I feel like every
0: time I'm around him I can't help but like have like a playful side to me come out and I think that when the three of us are together it's amplified. It is. <laughs> Today our guest is our dear dear friend and old co-worker Kenson. Kenson
1: Lee! Whoa. Woo!
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Yay! Of course, of course. For all of you guys that don't know, which I'm pretty sure you guys do know, because many of you guys have followed all of us from Wong Fu. Kensen is a visual artist. He Mm. is a pretty boy. He is an anime in real life. He is so talented. (laughs) He's he's an amazing artist, and he makes things into like he makes your fantasies into art form and they move Mm -hmm. on screen and do amazing Mm -hmm. magical things and he's worked with really big brands big studios and you know we have the privilege of calling him a friend i'm always so in awe of how talented and skilled our friends are
0: I know. And Kenson is definitely one of those that it just blows my mind. I actually, in college, I told him this recently and he was like, What? <laughs> but in college, <laughs> whenever I needed to study, Kenson writes like beautiful, um, oh, what is it called? Sound, beautiful <gasps> soundtrack music. Yes. And he's done it for multiple Wang Fu shorts. And I listen to those as my, like, okay, I need to concentrate now. Like, I just need some like beautiful music in the background. And Kenson is always on my go to on Spotify.
1: Yes. So he's one of those like people in your life that's like, oh, by the way, I also play amazing piano. Oh, by the way, and oh oh I gosh. also, like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I fly at night. I'm a superhero. Oh, by the way, you know, yeah. and he, he's such a humble soul. Yeah. Sorry, oh. we, we we just been talking, <laughs> Kenton. What we just do you just had so, had so many that was, compliments. Uh, that was
2: like a five minute like worth of praise. <laughs> I don't know how to receive it, <laughs> but thank you. I think the Asian in me is like, no, no, you guys are exaggerating too much right now. <laughs> I don't know how to deal with it.
0: No, not at all. And the thing about our relationship is that I feel like we've built this kinship and like sibling relationship because we worked together at the Wong Fu office all of those years ago. And we used to pull pranks on each other all the time. <laughs> and I feel like I've never had more fun pulling pranks on siblings than I did on the two of them and our other friend, Jason. Oh my gosh, yeah.
2: Jason. He's the only person I was thinking about when you were same pulling pranks. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> so I feel like the bond that we have together is very solidified by these pranks. And then also these deep conversations that we'll have on the side of doing the pranks.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was one thing where like getting to know Kensen, he's such a ethereal human being that you cannot put him into a box. You just cannot Define Kenton But so when you think That he's so like Airy and carefree And just like La 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 Just create magical stuff He'll like Deviate and have a really Full-blown Real discussion with you About religion
0: Wait, did I do that with you?
1: Yes. I was like so blown away the first time you had that discussion. I think it was with Phil and you were full on debating him. And I was like, oh my God, because people usually don't debate Phil in the office like that, you know? And I was like, of all people, (laughs) Kenson. And you were making such real valid points.
2: I don't remember this conversation about religion with him.
1: Yeah, I do.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my
0: gosh.
1: Christine's like, I'll give you a play by play afterwards. (laughs) It was just so surprising because... I just never had, at that point, seen that side of you, mm. but maybe we should get some context. Like, we, I think, officially met Kenson for me, at ISA Seattle, right?
2: Yes, officially met at ISA Seattle.
1: Yeah. yeah that was I when
2: mean, you were introduced to me, and then you, like, took care of me for the whole event, and, like, I was just, like, wandering.
1: <laughs> oh, that sounds exactly like what Christine would do at an event. <laughs> 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 I, it just, once you meet Kenson, you're like, oh my god, please come here okay (laughs) and then we have a photo with the three of us that actually sent you guys Mm -hmm. yeah we'll be sure to post up that photo of the three of us i like love that photo so much because it throws back to like basically when we really it's like yeah we really just started (laughs) all together you know it was new and fresh and we were wide-eyed and the three of us had that like (gasps) can you believe this is our life
0: Do you guys remember? That? I met I I actually met Kenson before that. I met him. Oh, you did? after a shoot? Yeah, oh, I met him after right. a shoot. And the guys like introduced me like, oh, this is Kenson. He's going to be helping us out with a few things. And it was like two in the afternoon. And then he just like comes in, like introduces himself, and then just falls asleep on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> and then sleeps for like a really long time. <laughs> and then afterwards, it's like, oh, oh hey guys
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is like the best impression of. there's so oh many no. if you uh, Kenson is so well known in the community everyone knows Kenson and then like everyone has an impression of Kenson so <laughs> <laughs> but the one that he falls asleep anywhere all the time I distinctly remember that on so many shoots you just see his eyes get really heavy and then mm-hmm. he just blacks out <laughs> <laughs> and then it's always like a shock
0: when he wakes up like a <gasps> <laughs>
1: Okay, this is the longest intro that we've had with like any <laughs> guest just catching up and reminiscing on old times. But yeah, we wanted to really go back into memory lane with Kenson because I don't know, we just love Kenson so much. So <laughs> we're so thankful <laughs> that you're joining us on our podcast because we know that you're a pretty private person like you. You don't really talk about stuff out in public. I mean, you've been on a couple of Wang Fu lunch breaks, but even then- Pretty
2: pretty conservative, I feel like, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So for you to come on to talk about this topic-
2: (laughs) My heart is like coming out of my chest right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's why we're so honored and so grateful that you're willing to talk to us and talk to our listeners. So for today's topic, we want to talk about chemistry and attraction and attraction in a romantic and sexual nature. Oh my God, mm. I know. Often in relationships, it's always about chemistry. Chemistry and sparks. That's the top thing I hear from women, first of all. And for sure, it's like, oh man, I need chemistry. Is there chemistry? How do we keep the spark and chemistry alive? I mean, so much emphasis on it. But today we really want to dive in deeper and explore what these terms really mean. What does it mean that when we say chemistry, what are we really looking for? As well as the spectrum of romance and sexual attraction. That's the stuff where I have to admit as like, maybe I shouldn't put it on age, but now that we're getting older, there's like a spectrum Mm -hmm. of who you can be attracted Mm. to, all these different type of, I guess, like places that you can be that to me growing up, I thought there was only one. (laughs) (laughs) So that's something where, you know, talking to Kenson, you can hear different takes on it, hear what attraction really means to each of us, especially in today's world. So why don't we kick off the conversation for the three of us just to get into it? How do you guys define romance and sexual attraction? I think for me, it was exactly what you described. It was like the
0: fireworks. And I think that it's because at a young age, my only concept of romance was movies. And Disney movies, right. and you know rom coms and things like that, and you're always like waiting for that like really really giddy feeling. And I agree with you. I think that as a kid, I never thought out of the spectrum of like, oh, I am a girl and I should be attracted to boys, and that was just kind of the rule that I abided by, and I never questioned it. And you know, I am a straight cisgender female, mm-hmm. and I am attracted to men, so it was never like kind of out of the ordinary for me to. To only like men. But yeah, I think that in my earlier twenties, I think that I was looking for that spark, the heart flutters and things like that, like getting nervous and yeah, that romantic Spark, I guess, like that's what I would describe it as. But I think now that I've gotten older, I don't know anymore. I don't know. Maybe it's like now that I'm older, I don't get the fuzzy feelings as easily anymore. Like maybe I'm just dead inside at this point. Like,
2: <laughs> but you still do get those feelings, right?
0: Well, I haven't had a crush on a guy in a long time. Maybe like that'll change if I do meet the right person. But I feel like I'm not as giddy as I was in my like late teens, early twenties. Mm.
1: What about you, Kenson?
2: For me, I feel like everything, even up till now, has been really defined externally. Everything that I've seen, everything that I grew up learning, or films, like you said, religion, and then a lot of observations of other people's relationships. Mm. So for me, I've always felt like this very idealized, romanticized situation, if I were to get into a relationship sort of deal, but maybe it's like too far away that It's unattainable. I don't know. Mm. But definitely very classical, conservative approach, knowledge-wise, of what a romantic relationship should be. And then personal experience has been lacking.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe you can share that. Like, have you ever felt that chemistry or spark that you just described with anyone throughout your entire life?
2: So up until this year, I would describe the closest feelings as kind of in a Demi sort of way where I've spent maybe like one or two years being really close with a friend or two to the point where it's like, okay, I can imagine like if I were to, I could marry them or like we could live together for the rest of our lives or it could not. It wasn't a very pressing deal. It was just like thoughts that ran in my head because like, we've known each other for so long. It didn't feel very urgent. It felt very nonchalant. Mm. Like I neither wanted it nor did I not want it. It was just kind of, that's an option if it happened.
1: Oh my God. Was I your friend?
2: (laughs) No. uh, Christine was never. (laughs) (laughs) rejected. Especially when they're already in a relationship that like automatically is like, oh, that's not on my mind.
1: Did you hear him? He was like, uh he's no. like, oh no, you're
0: definitely <laughs> most, Well, you're I most always saw saw you not.
2: as like an older sister kind of like a role model. Like so there's different types of images that I project to people. Yeah. Hmm. And you were more of like they're like senpai.
0: Like. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> uh, so, kind of going back to what you were saying, where you had these friends that you're like, Oh, I could potentially envision a future with them. Mm-hmm. Were they always female? Were there some of them that were male? What gave you these thoughts? Was it just like, Oh, I've been friends with this person for a long time. We're comfortable with each other. Mm-hmm. Like, was that other person attracted to you?
2: There's different levels of traction. I'm sure at least one or two were very attracted to me mm. because we ended up talking about it. But it was with girls mm-hmm. and i definitely had some guys confess to me and wanted to like start something and and i was at that moment anytime someone did confess to me i didn't know how to react and i would just either push it away or just deny them <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: we had like a start i don't know what you would call it in english but like a good feeling like ho mm-hmm. like we had like a good base for everything and if we wanted to that could grow into something but nothing ever went anywhere i always attributed that to like example of back in the day when people got arranged marriages Mm. and they weren't necessarily in love but they were Partners in life, and then they learned and grew to love each other in a different way from romantic Mm -hmm. young love. And I feel like that, if anything, that would be the closest so far what I would expect in my relationship if I were to go fully into a relationship.
1: Mm hmm. I mean, you've definitely shared with us before that you've never had a crush on anyone in that sense.
2: Mm-hmm. I had childhood crushes, but they were like first grade, you know, second grade ended up being like really good friends, like a very innocent type of since we're so young, it's hard to either categorize it as a, like romantic or anything else. It was just really good friends. You know, I lost my first kiss and just felt very magical and like very what you would feel or see in a movie or cartoons or something like very young innocent not even like teenagers you
1: know wait you had your first kiss when you were a kid
2: in first grade oh my first gosh grade. <laughs> she we had this whole like hey drama think of it oh as like God. a kid version it's it's not it's not romantic it's yes. definitely not like anything <laughs> even close to anything like that it was just like very innocent like we'd play house or something you know yeah. we'd reenact what adults did and that that's the kind of experience experience that was and she was leaving the country oh my Um, god
1: so K drama oh my gosh
2: (laughs) this was actually
1: kindergarten so
2: think about how how innocent we don't know what's going on with the world it was just like something that stuck to me obviously because it was so strange and magical and everything i
1: have i have weird feelings about the way you told us that story and how invested i was but you guys were like five (laughs) So since then, after so many years, though you still look like you're 16, what are you looking for when it comes to a romantic relationship? Where are you looking?
2: I'm not even looking, to be honest. I and mean, I feel like a lot of opportunities pass my way. And obviously, as you get older, it feels a little harder to find new relationships. I think college was like the best time if I were to like get into a relationship. I think I'm so invested in what I want to do and the opportunity that I have doing what I'm doing that puts everything else in less priority. Mm. And in my mind, logically speaking, if I were to settle down or get into a relationship, I would want it for a family, for marriage and to settle down. And definitely family would always come first over work. But I haven't made that mental switch yet.
0: Mm. So you're looking more so for like a partnership rather than that attraction
2: as far as what i actually want i don't really want anything anything yeah <laughs> mm. maybe it's been so long and i've been enjoying and accepting being by myself so long that i wouldn't know how to deal with a full-on relationship either
1: mm-hmm.
2: it's always like oh i'm curious to see what it would be like but it's not a pressing concern
1: When we talk about sexual attraction, you shared with us that you had thought of yourself as being asexual. Mm -hmm. Is that so true for you? And what does that mean for our listeners who are not quite sure what asexual entails?
2: So as far as terms, I'm still kind of figuring out what I am. I know I'm definitely more towards the asexual side, as in I don't feel a lot of urgency or or want to engage in sexual activity with someone else. Even sexual activity ranges a lot from like just Touch to feeling to like full on like having sex right mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. also its own little spectrum. I only say asexual or kind of demisexual maybe as in maybe if and this is all theoretical. If I spent long enough time with somebody, it would develop into something else. Mm-hmm. I also say asexual because that's specifically defining that like I have no specific attraction towards a man or a woman, mm-hmm. but there are certain like fetish kind of kink things and situational, environmental based factors that do make me feel different than normal like does give kind of like a sexual arousal for me i have a very specific fetish and i really like rubber clothing on people so like latex kind of fashion and then to me researching it and looking into it it's defined as a fetish because it's not specifically like the human object it's like something else Mm. so i guess the most common example that people use and make fun of are like people with foot fetishes because they really sexualize the foot or like lingerie or underwear or something like that so Mm -hmm. to me the attraction is also like a fashion piece where it's like you can take a piece of underwear you can sexualize it and it's inherently sexual because it's worn where you're supposed to cover up for body parts right Mm -hmm. but out of itself it's not a sexual thing so it can be either way it's whatever the person projects onto it and for me that's the same with latex and rubber is it could be like just a fashion piece and aesthetically interesting and pleasing. Or it could be sexualized. It can make people look sexy, mm. whether it's a guy or a girl. And that's where I'm at right now. It's almost like an objectified form because I'm not specifically sexually attracted to a particular guy or girl. But if certain people like wear that kind of clothing, it definitely amps up the sexiness of them. And it does arouse me more than if they were not. So that's, that's where I am
0: interesting so with your fetishes Mm -hmm. do you feel like that what we would have perceived as like the chemistry the giddiness or is it just purely like a sexual thing
2: that's purely sexual and it's not like romantic attraction or anything Mm -hmm. i think it's just Mm kind of like what makes you feel sexy even like if, if i were to wear it it would make me feel sexy or like you know when you wear something really nice that's kind of like how it feels and then to see it on other people because what's so socially acceptable I guess Mm -hmm. what's mainstream for people to accept like oh I like boobs I like like body parts specifically Mm -hmm. and that could be a fetish itself like how is that so much different from like oh I like their hands or their hair or their feet obviously one is the organs you know sexual reproductive organs versus not that's the same feeling it's not a chemistry you aren't romantically attracted to someone just because they have big assets or something like that right I feel like for me that's separate so this is just like the almost like a lust or, like, the more human, like, primal <laughs> instincts, I guess. And I can't explain it. That just happened. And I've recognized that. And I'm trying to figure out how to deal with that knowledge.
0: Regina here. Over the years, I've come to realize how much of an empath I am. Even though it takes me a moment to process my own feelings, if my friend tells me about a rough patch they're going through or someone projects their feelings onto me, I'm like a sponge and absorb everything. This has always been something that greatly distracted me, and could even ruin my mood for the rest of the day. Knowing how much it can affect me now, I set it as one of my goals to work on during my BetterHelp sessions. My counselor is so patient and kind with helping me acknowledge what I'm feeling, while also helping me distinguish what is actually me versus what is something that i'm absorbing sometimes my counseling sessions can get really emotional but i'm proud of the progress that i'm making if you're interested in learning more about online counseling head to betterhelp.com pip to take a short quiz to assess your needs you will be paired with a licensed professional within 24 hours they have counselors that focus on depression anger stress anxiety trauma and anything that you share is confidential BetterHelp is a wonderful platform that provides affordable care worldwide from the comfort of your own home we want you to start living a happier life today. So be sure to visit betterhelp.com slash pip to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pip, P-I-P. Take care of yourselves and stay healthy, Pip fam, from the inside out.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. No, thank you for sharing that. That's something where you explain it, it makes sense because there are people that purely are just in it for the sex, (laughs) but you don't see a romantic connection with them. You're just like, I don't Mm -hmm. see you as a potential partner or I don't really want a relationship with you, but you know, we can have sex. And there's something about that, right? So how did you discover all this on your journey? Because you went from being a first grader, having your first kiss, and then realizing that you just have not really we're not attracted to anyone throughout your adult life in the way that you thought you Mm -hmm. would to realizing that actually you are sexually aroused or attracted Mm -hmm. to the latex fetish
2: yeah like a look like the look fetish just like someone who's in a really sexy dress or something some people would really like that and it makes them feel like oh like you right want to have sexy time tonight kind of thing yeah that's what it does to me i got into it very very late anything sexual actually even like sex ed was a blur i remember having it in school right and it was all like funny and forcing around and stuff and we just laughed and came home and i told my dad like oh we're having sex ed and he's mm-hmm. like oh good that means i don't have <laughs> to teach you <laughs> Because I I don't think it's a Chinese thing. I think it's more like it's an American thing. And it's more like maybe his friends had told him that this was coming, you know. Mm. And now he doesn't
0: have to do it.
1: Right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't
0: remember taking sex ed at all. Really? Yeah, I have like no recollection of being in it or taking it. You don't remember the video of the woman giving birth? I think (laughs) I was sick that day because I remember people talking about that the next day. But then I don't remember ever
1: having a class maybe I just blocked it out of my memory. <laughs> maybe I just, like, repressed it. I mean, the American sex ed, not that I know any other country's sex ed, but, like, I feel I, like yeah. it's, it's it's very minimal. It's not great. It's just, it's yeah. like a day. It's like yeah. the one day
0: you're, you're out of you're, True. You're sick True, it, it's from not school that long,
2: that I don't think. I, I actually don't remember that much either. I just remember, like, the teacher, like, tried to make it funny, and, like, everybody was laughing, and I never thought about oh. it <laughs> until, like, like, end of high school, even, because, mm-hmm. you know, they would teach everything for guys about masturbation, or like mm-hmm. about, you know, just how to put on a safe condom. sex, how to put on condoms. And it was a private Christian school. So everything was, oh. was more... Not repressed, what's the right word? Like, it's it's more taught in that kind of lens.
1: Wait, well, I'm surprised mm-hmm. that they would teach you guys safe sex when don't they preach instead yeah. of abstinence? They
2: were, re- I think they were required to. Oh,
1: it's oh more like, Lord.
2: here's the information,
1: uh, do what you will with it. But,
2: <laughs> you know, as good Christian students, as good Christian fellowship, you obviously were going to abstain uh, and save, you know. Right. So that was expected, but like, still, you were still required. It was the same for for um, science and evolution we were taught evolution we were also taught creation you know Um, that was just part of the curriculum and we had to learn both sides even though there was definitely a clear bias towards one or the other
1: Mm. how do you think that christian education and upbringing affected how you felt about sexual attraction and sex
2: it was both like praised as marriage between a man and a woman is a beautiful, wonderful, God gifted thing, right? But then there's also the other side where we're taught, not that we're taught, but because of the whole atmosphere, it's like, oh, like body parts are gross, like girls have cooties kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Kind of just never grew out of that. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of that, but I feel like those feelings do stay with certain people.
1: What about you? You specifically?
2: Uh, it definitely stayed with me. You know, if you think about it, like body parts are kind of like disgusting (laughs) in a way. (laughs) You know? (laughs) <laughs> it's like you just wow. I mean just okay way it, to make even all if of don't us feel butter. bad I'm sorry I'm sorry <laughs> okay. I'm sorry I'm, I'm, okay uh let's take it not they are not,
0: ideal. Yeah, not <laughs> ideal like even even
2: the idea the concept of having skin and and tissue is kind of is a little weird like gross if an alien too. came and weren't biologically the same right yeah we would be kind of disgusting or we look at certain creatures like insects and stuff and like ew that's gross that's true I, mm. if you take a step back <laughs> we could also be we're just walking piles of flesh that's and, true and if you think about it that way that could be also kind of gross
1: i can also see why you were never sexually attracted to
2: us <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not that it's just um, very androgynous androgynous <laughs> yeah, right. Like I like mm-hmm. I like that kind of look, like a drowning look, but I do like playing into those roles and stuff as far as an aesthetic.
1: But when it came to like your Christian upbringing, and I say this because mm-hmm. I also grew up in church, when I was really thinking about it, preparing for this episode, I was mm-hmm. like, you know, I grew up into a structure box of what is morally right and wrong. And everything that was not in this box, I never even thought about it. And yeah. when it was presented, I automatically rejected it or felt like it was wrong. So, mm-hmm. now Now, obviously, society is different and we live in a different world where you learn that love is a spectrum, sexuality is a spectrum, gender Mm -hmm. is a spectrum, right? That I wonder if I grew up in today's day and age. You would be different. Yeah. If I would be attracted to women, you know, Mm -hmm. but for me, I've never thought about that. So I've always just been attracted Mm -hmm. to men. And that was it. Now, for you, I'm wondering if that played into your life as it started to develop and you became an adult and realized that, wait, I'm not having the feelings that I should be having for women, as the Mm -hmm. church taught me. How did that journey happen?
2: That was exactly it. Like, I'm not having feelings for anyone. (laughs) Like, I'm not having feelings for men or women. Like, in my mind, because of how I romanticized relationships and what I expected, I would imagine that like, oh, once you do experience it, it's going to be life changing, you know, like someone's going to come in and that's going to be the one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then after a while, it's like, okay, maybe that's not going to be the one, but maybe you'll find somebody that will give you those
0: feelings.
2: Giving those feelings or develop those feelings together. It's not like bam, like you fall in love. Like I've never fallen in love. Like see someone and it's like, oh, I have to be with that person for the rest of my life. Mm. Or like I'm madly in love with that person. So that has never happened, nor has like being with someone where it's like, okay, I definitely want to be with you for the rest of my life. That has never happened either. And I'm not judging out those scenarios. Like if it happens, like I'm definitely I'll let it run its course. But it's just not within my experience. And so I feel like romantic relationships are more of something I view externally than something I've really experienced for myself. Mm -hmm. And because of the Christian upbringing, I don't judge other people for what they choose to do with their relationships. But for myself, I had abstained up until now for 30 years, like didn't do anything because I didn't feel like jumping into it or I did want to save up for like if that special person came across which never happened. Mm -hmm. And I'm at a point where I don't care as much about having that experience versus just really finding out for myself whether I'm just different or kind of explore other avenues related to relationships and sexuality to see if something else works for me specifically.
1: Mm, hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the part I'm really interested in Where mm-hmm. the different avenues mm-hmm. Like I didn't know that different avenues existed
2: <laughs> Avenues as in Let me clarify Avenues as in specifically A very traditional relationship Like a guy meets a girl They date and they marry And then they have sex And then have kids mm-hmm. So as in like I'm open to meeting more people With dating in mind Even if I'm not attracted to them Off the bat Or talking to people who are also in my stage where we want to explore things related to relationships or sex, but not necessarily like look for the one, you know. Mm. Or even all the way down to hooking up, open to that exploration and with men or women. Also people with similar fetish kink kind of mindsets who want to also explore something that's not traditionally just like, oh, let's get naked and have sex.
1: Got it. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of people. (laughs)
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. like yeah
1: a lot of people are not necessarily looking for the one and having traditional kids and all of that mm-hmm. so I'm yeah. curious to know in this process because I'm sure there have been moments of frustration for you mm-hmm. even though you've seemed to be at this point where you've like pretty much accepted and I just haven't felt that and that's just what it was but have there been moments in your past that you were just like is it me what's going on I really want this but I can't find someone and did you ever have moments of frustration
2: I had moments of frustration because of the fetish and that made me felt a lot of guilt and shame. i never felt frustrated because I couldn't get with somebody or sad that I wasn't with someone in a relationship. That mm. never came up. I felt kind of indifferent. You know, I didn't mind being lonely, as people say. It didn't mm. feel lonely to me like that. And I wasn't yearning for a relationship. That's the difference. But I did have this kind of sexual arousal to this fetish that I couldn't explain and that was what frustrated me mm. if
1: anything mm. how did you get over that from the guilt and shame of this frustration to now being on our podcast and talking <laughs> about it, yeah. I
2: think that's one of the things that I never talked about to anyone for the longest time because I thought like anybody would. It, it's definitely different, but it was also like, oh, this is weird or abnormal. I'm trying not to use those type of terms because I finally made the step this year, especially during the pandemic. It was like there's nothing else to do to talk to people in that kind of community in a non-traditional sex or sexual kind of relationship, fetish kink community to see how other people dealt with their own situations. Some of them were very similar to mine, some were definitely different. There's a whole range of things, but definitely found that I'm not the only one who, like, oh, maybe some of their experiences were like, oh, they saw something on TV and it aroused them in a way they can explain, something like that, or they saw something on the internet that arouse them in a way that they didn't know it's like what is this feeling and why those were the sparks for a lot of us recognizing those things and they're like I said before non-traditional things like it's not like just sexy lingerie or or sexy clothing or like someone who looks dropped at gorgeous it's like other things that people would not normally associate with sexual attraction mm-hmm. and that's why it's kind of categorized as another
1: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you say that it's not explicitly women you're attracted to because you're like, "Oh, I haven't experienced any attraction towards men or women." women. You also yeah. have not eliminated being attracted to men, right?
2: Yeah, I think people are just people. Feel like it's a little dangerous to say, but it's never just black or white. You know, it's always situational.
1: Mm-hmm. I
2: feel like if I don't get over this hurdle of at least having that exploration period. Mm-hmm. And what is the difference between that and just engaging in sex before you're married?
1: Right. Right
2: Uh, things like that just because I've avoided the sex of homosexuality but I've engaged in sex before marriage like does that cancel each other out does it I don't know right I think giving myself time to explore and if anything kind of get it out of my system so that I know where I'm at Mm -hmm. in order to make better decisions moving forward that's what I want to do with it
1: right is there anything that you're scared of in this self-discovery what you might discover
2: No, I feel like it's really exciting. And so far, it's been very nice and comforting to have talked to everyone, people who have no idea at all, up to people who are in those kind of groups. Or are very vanilla, but are gay, or are engaged in just non traditional relationships, just kind of that whole facet of experiences. And it's all human experience mm-hmm. and seeing where I fit in relating to that. Definitely talking to one or two people who are very encouraging kind of helped ease it up as I went forward. Mm-hmm. I think it was just Mm -hmm. that first step that was nerve-wracking to like be more public about it as in like actually reaching out to someone to talk about the situation rather than having it all in my head and wondering Mm -hmm. certain things and especially during the pandemic having that drive me crazy Mm -hmm. in my head Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. you also made that big step to like post it on Facebook and Instagram
2: so the biggest reason why I wanted to be transparent about it and to talk to people I trusted and people who knew me was I felt like this situation, like having this fetish, this rubber latex kind of fetish, was the last thing in affecting my relationship with other people in friendships. Mm-hmm. And because since not having a romantic, normal kind of relationship experience, I actually value friendships Most Mm. And I felt like Mm. having this like little secret was affecting my platonic relationships and not just the fetish itself, but like the whole idea of sexuality and how I function because I didn't even know and my response to when people confess to me or indicated that they were interested in me because I didn't know how to react or how to deal with it. I would just like either run away or if I continue as if nothing happened, you know, they'd think I was leading them on. I think that's why I came out and talked about everything from a bit of the fetish to how I felt sexually and and romantically and and the state of my relationships to clarify. I felt like I owed that much at least to people who made the effort to be my
1: friend,
0: Mm. you know? Mm did you receive a good response from it? Did it bring on a lot of conversations that you felt like you were ready to have? Like, how was that experience? Because I think for us, even like when you first brought it up to the three of us, I think we had just scheduled like a stardew yeah. date with you. And we were like playing the game. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, my sexuality. And then we got into this like, very deep conversation about it and I think that that was when you were just starting off and this was kind of like yeah earlier on in quarantine for sure and so like I guess through your growth process you obviously now have reached a place where you're like more comfortable talking about Mm -hmm. it even though you're still exploring but yeah yeah, what was the response like on Facebook do you have family members on Facebook yeah
2: my family is on Facebook I mean I haven't been super explicit on Facebook but I didn't mention the Mm other stuff just very very briefly but as far as like being ace and even if I explore the sexuality stuff and I end up just being alone for the rest of my life that's fine too I told my mom that she'll probably never have grandkids from me and she's like I know (laughs)
1: actually I expected
2: I expected that I kind of felt it I think everybody's response has been very loving and encouraging Obviously, Mm. there's definitely people who who think it's weird, but I think the general response is like, oh, I'm surprised and glad that you shared it. And then there's also other friends that I didn't know had similar experiences. They identified deeply with what I had to say, and we had offshoot conversations based on that. Mm. I think the biggest relief was talking to my sister.
1: Shoutouts to Serena.
2: Uh, yeah, I think talking to my sister because she also understood because we come from the same background and family and religion, school for a certain time and church and stuff. So she understands all those issues and where I'm coming from, too. And she's also in a very good relationship, a marriage right now. She has a degree in psychology. She was in seminary school, so she could have become a pastor if she wanted to. So I feel like she has all the knowledge and like resources to have a good discussion with and why would i talk to someone else versus talk to her because she's the closest person that i have in my life Mm. and she gave me a lot of insight and also a lot of encouragement to at least figure out myself and explore and stuff and it it rested a lot of unease that i had moving forward which brought me to being able to talk about it in public or talk to you guys about it because uh, and other close friends i think everybody's been encouraging
1: Mm, yeah, I think that speaks about you as a person. Mm-hmm. It's just who you are and what you mean to all of us. And at the mm-hmm. heart of it, just wanting you to be as happy and free as who you are. Yeah. No extra explanations needed. And how can we be there to support you best that we can?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: For you, how has that felt in being open about it and sharing it?
2: I feel like that was the last thing that I felt I was keeping from people. It feels really freeing to be able to talk about it. Everything from the good to the bad, to the normal to the weird, you know, like that nobody's that ideal, perfect person you think they are. And just being open and honest about everything, especially friends who had confessed or like were interested in me. I might not have all the answers for myself, but just being honest about where I am emotionally and where I am in life, gives an explanation so that you know it's all a human experience it's not that they did something wrong or like i'm just being a mean person or something like that it's, it's i mm-hmm. feel like if coming out with that shame or like guilt that i had or secrets that i had would benefit a friendship by being more transparent and honest then i definitely do that because i value that friendship the most
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would you say to people who are really resonating with your journey, what you've shared, mm-hmm. or maybe at a place of just feeling lost themselves, feeling also guilt and shame where they are? What would you say to them?
2: Definitely talking to somebody really helps. Whether it's therapist or a close friend, someone you trust, actually taking that first step and actually just talking to people because everybody, we're all human. We all have Different but similar experiences where there's definitely something that can be relatable and there's someone who has experienced similar situation to whatever I'm feeling or whatever they're feeling, you know, Mm. and just being able to confide in somebody and share experiences is really helpful to clarify your own place. Because sometimes you just get lost in your head and your thoughts Mm. and you can't organize them. Just even Mm -hmm. someone's listening and they're not giving you any actual input, just the act of letting it all out really helps with organizing your own thoughts and figuring out what you want to do from there.
1: Right. No, that's so powerful. I think that's the thing about getting older and realizing is the little things that we've kind of taken for granted growing up, but it's like the being able to relate, you know, feeling like you're yeah. not alone. Right. It's so powerful. Yeah. I'm sure that there's just this weight has been lifted because. Oh,
2: yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. It's like you shouldn't be shameful. Like if you do think it's wrong, it's not the end of the world. You know, you're not at a fault. I just think it's just something that you should go through mentally to figure out for yourself whether it is for you or not.
1: Yeah. Or this kind mm-hmm. of situation. Yeah. You know, it's really brave people like you who are willing to share and put yourself out there to talk about it when honestly in our community when I say that it's like our Asian American community like we don't have these conversations
2: no not at all yeah everybody's so afraid
1: mm-hmm. and
2: for mm-hmm. me it's definitely due to the encouragement of the few people that I originally talked to and because my friends are so supportive that gave me the courage to step out and be honest with myself and with other people especially as Asians we don't talk about these things culturally like it's not expected in our culture mm-hmm. We it's always hush hush but there are people that are experiencing the same things. And I think the worst thing you can do is feel shameful about it to a point where you just keep it all bottled inside. I feel like, if anything, that brings more problems mm. to mental health, physical health, because you feel like something's wrong with you.
0: Yeah. Whereas,
2: like, it's neither right nor wrong at that point. Yeah. You, know, you just have to clarify the situation for yourself. And in order to do so, sometimes you do have to face it and learn about it, learn about yourself more. Rather than just ignore it and then brush it under the table. Totally. That's my approach. Experience things in order to learn from them. And then deal with the consequences later.
1: (laughs) You know, I think it's also important to keep in mind like by whose definition is this quote unquote right or wrong. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. you're basing your life, your mental health, your Mm well-being on somebody else's definition. Exactly. To be honest, society keeps changing all the time. Rules change All what was law, what was so certain Mm -hmm. before. It's not set yeah. in stone. I think that's why we, we talked about religion and Christianity because that's like, oh, the word of God is yeah. eternal, you know? And I understand the weight of that. However, I also believe that you're worth exploring what your truth is. Yes. It's your life. Mm-hmm as I get older and learn more, the things that I thought were certain, I can absolutely guarantee they became uncertain. Yeah. Yeah,
2: that happens. Right.
1: In that sense, it's like, maybe the thing that you're experiencing is for a reason. Maybe you're the person to be the voice, be the pioneer. And not to put that weight onto you, but it's like, yeah, there could be, because of you and this exploration mm. just like in Kenson's case like you realize there's already other people that feel this way too mm-hmm. you can imagine how freeing that is for just a group of people to not have to hide anymore or not to have to feel this like weight or burden yeah. that was never your guys's to bear to be honest mm-hmm. that
2: and also just keeping it all internal and in your head I feel like brings out more problems mm-hmm. that could be easily solved if you had just faced it and really looked into it you know right. for me that was the shame it was the putting a wedge between friendships and then also for my mental health and I feel like those reasons were enough for me to be like okay forget about what I thought or have read or expect what society expects to be right you know Mm -hmm. because of these reasons that's enough for me to take a step and explore for my own knowledge and experience figure out what's best for me and for other people friends and
1: yeah so. so since then mm-hmm. since then starting this <laughs> the journey juice. yeah d- what's <laughs> the, the tea, tea. like the who tea. You, like, are you like it's anyone like anything any developments? it's a little hard
2: with covid but i definitely have met a couple of people we've talked some of them we've social distanced but i've met someone that i've really connected with he's a guy we connect on a lot of levels even if the kink fetish sexuality was not involved we'd make really good friends because um, kind of in a similar industry music background, gaming, film, different cultures, but he's very
1: he sounds like a magical boy <laughs> he's a little
2: bit yeah he's no. he's like we relate to a lot of things, but As far as if that changes on how I perceive relationships, I haven't had enough experience to know yet. We've definitely been seeing Mm -hmm. each other and more kind of like hangout versus like a date date, you know, but definitely Mm -hmm. like we're just starting a journey together and kind of like more of a friendship slash open relationship because he's also just getting into it even though he's been interested in it for years we're exploring some of those interests together and Mm -hmm. they don't always have to be sexual you know there's Mm -hmm, a range of that so we're diving on both ends you know a bit more intimacy but also a bit less where we're also talking to other groups who are interested in those same things Mm
1: -hmm. Mm mm-hmm fetishes fetish Keys. and
2: kink I guess mm-hmm. what i define mm-hmm. fetish would be more of the object side of things or things that someone is attracted to and kink is more the actions and mm. what you do with those things so like you can have like a foot fetish or a shoe fetish where you're attracted to those things and then kink is kind of more like
0: the action behind it
2: the actions that you do with it you know mm.
1: mm-hmm. like licking someone's face
2: yeah or okay so <laughs> licking someone's is their kink, kink?
1: it's the Ah. kink that they do
2: I don't know if that's proper I'm just saying that's how it works in my head whereas Ah. the fetish like oh this is what they're interested in versus the Mm -hmm. kink is like specific acts of things dealing with it
0: Mm. I see I see I guess like now looking at the relationship having it start off as a friendship I feel like that's not a bad start like I feel like that could as you have said in the past like oh you know you have this relationship with someone you're like oh I can see (laughs) myself building a future with this person I know that we've talked about this off the podcast but you know you've always mentioned like oh I'm down to have kids but I'm also down to not have kids does that still ring true today
2: yeah (laughs) it's like I'm curious about something that I don't have but it's not something that like oh I want necessarily
0: Mm. either Mm -hmm. like oh I
2: have to pass down my family line or I have to have kids and be a dad and experience what that is like but I am curious about it like it's just I don't feel that urgency Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. some people Mm -hmm. might you no, know, like oh yeah. i'm getting older i need to have kids or mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I, i'm expected to be a father or something that's more of like just different paths you can go on and mm-hmm. not set to any particular one except for my own passion and goals that i have mm-hmm. is what is driving me to make most of the decisions
1: yeah career focused all the way yeah. <laughs> those visual effects are not going to make themselves <laughs>
2: <laughs> right now oh i'm really gosh. focused with this other guy focused on being very honest and clear with communication i'm kind of exploring all facets of a relationship and see where it goes but since i haven't had that experience before i don't feel like i'm naturally very emotionally available the time as in Mm. i probably will get tired really easily and that even going to a relationship i don't think whether it's because i'm not interested actually interested or because i don't have the experience it's a lot to deal with all at once Mm. so just he knows where i'm at and is okay with that for people who are looking into Like, mine is pretty tame, right? It's just like a latex clothing interest. Mm -hmm. But if people who are looking into fetish kink stuff that's more hardcore, say like EDSM or something, I think to keep in mind that that community has been there for a while and they've set kind of like ground rules to follow by, which people going into it might not know but basically make sure that if they do talk to people or confide in people who have those same interests, that they're not completely new to it because there's a basis of like consents and safety. I feel like as long as they have clear communication, I think communication is even more important in those types of situations Mm -hmm. to make sure they're clear with maybe not everything that they want, but what their bottom line is. To put some effort into connecting with the person as a person, you know, human being before actually just going and exploring sexual things, you know, because there is an aspect of community and it's different from traditional relationship, but you still go through normal, decent human being things where you talk and engage and learn about each other before doing things.
1: Mm -hmm. No, even though we've been talking for like an hour and a half, it feels like we barely scratched the surface Mm -hmm. of the depths of every... I I think we covered a lot. You know, I know we started with like chemistry and sexual attraction, but it really went into all these different aspects that I think it's important. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's not just one conversation. This is stuff that, like, you know, me and Regina are learning too. And thank you, Kenson, for, like, being just so generous with this information and what you've been through and sharing it with people out there who I'm sure feel lonely, feel very isolated, especially Mm -hmm. during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Through self reflection, I think you've been on quite a journey through the pandemic, and then now, mm-hmm. yeah. even just being able to communicate and connect with somebody that you didn't even know existed a couple months ago, yeah. right?
2: Yeah, and and he's very open to taking it slow and is very mindful. I'm very grateful for that that we're kind of communicating that aspect because we're both unsure of where we're at, so we're just taking it small steps at a time we'll and yeah. see if it goes anywhere. And if not, mm-hmm. I've made a great friend. You know, I don't think even if we part ways, like we'll still be good friends. Mm-hmm. You know? But thank you for having me on this platform. Definitely had people ask me about like, oh, I've always been interested in these things and I don't know where to go. So I give them a couple of resources to to start off with um, at least exploration, depending on where they're at already. I'm open to talking to people about it. And I definitely don't have that big wealth of experience yet or knowledge. I wouldn't say I know everything about it, obviously but um, I definitely can point people towards the right directions.
1: Yeah. So I think just wrapping everything up, I don't know. My takeaway is just that chemistry attraction that in so many different avenues and even as a human species, as we're discovering ourselves and all these different spectrums, that Mm -hmm. a lot of things that you thought were very boxed or defined already are very undefinable. So in that sense, however you're feeling, if you feel lost, alone, weird, that you don't belong and all these different mixture of things that you're not alone. All these situations, all these people that have either come before you or experiencing now, it's all because- that innate feeling comes from within you from somewhere. So, not to be discouraged that you'll never find whatever you think that you should be finding, or you're giving up hope because all the things that people told you that you should be feeling or that you should have in your life that you're not getting that right now. At least, hopefully, when you walk away from this conversation, that there's hope. You don't have to feel that way that you're alone. So, yeah. I would really, really encourage you to do what Kenson advised, which is just to reach out if you ever feel that yeah. way. Mm-hmm. So, Kensen, where can people find you?
2: They can find me on all of social media platforms, pretty much, at Rick Cognition. Mm-hmm. R-I-K-O-G-N-I-T-I-O-N. It's a very long, convoluted name. <laughs> but anyways, yes, you can find me on probably Twitter... IG would be the easiest to to message.
1: Kenson has a plethora of work out there that you can find. And please do follow him. He's always creating something beautiful. And I think that everyone Mm -hmm. deserves to have something beautiful in their life. And you can do that by following Kenson. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much,
0: Kenson, for sharing your story, your journey. I feel like Christina and I learned a lot from you. We've always learned a lot from you. But, you know, in this Mm -hmm. episode, like, thank you for just being so, so raw and open I know that this journey has not been easy it is not an easy topic to talk about in general so thank you so much for just yeah sharing so genuinely with us I feel like I have my mindset on, yeah, like chemistry and romance has expanded. And I think that that's what we need to continue to learn about and not be so defined by these boxes that we've stayed in for so long that have caused so much hatred with one another. It is conversations like these that need to be had that will continue to open our mind. And I think baseline, we just need to spread more love. So thank you again, Kenson, for yeah. being here with us.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much.
0: If you guys resonated with us episode or know a friend who might resonate with this episode please share and we'll see you guys next week bye
1: bye bye love you kenzel
2: thank you oh my gosh